right, we're back with our dear brother Fish, fresh off of his first ever Burning Man experience. For the record, I've never been to Burning Man, and this is something that you and I have chatted about for about the last two years. So we're just going to have a casual catch-up call here and share it with the world. Brother Fish, how are you feeling after after the burn? Brother Lee, I'm feeling mostly amazing. Um, very nourished in a lot of ways. Very, very satisfied with the experience. Uh, you know, there's a lot to it and we'll get into that. But overall, like so, so glad I went finally. Um, I've had an opportunity to go for several years with various people. Uh, I passed on a lot of opportunities because it didn't really feel like either the right time or the right people that I wanted to create this like deeper sense of uh, familial bonding with, which is a huge part of when you go to Burning Man, the people that you camp with, the people you experience with, they become your family, <laughs> like it or not, in a lot of cases. And so I really wanted it to feel like everything was right and I was prepared and it made sense for my life. And I wasn't just going to party. I was going to go to party, <laughs> let's be clear, but there was a deeper purpose to it. And so once I got involved with Mickey Beach Camp, which is a, a New York and Miami-based collective, uh, there's people from a few other areas, but overall it's Miami, New York, a lot of DJs. It's a very music-heavy camp. Um, it's a very non-hierarchical feeling. Um, there's not this like sense of power structure. The guy who leads the camp is just like just as much involved in grinding his ass off as anyone else. Um, just a really authentic group of people that are doing cool shit with their lives, but also like the party and they find that really nice balance. And that's the type of people I like to live with and party with. So yeah, the timing was right. Uh, this summer, I wasn't even sure if I was going, I didn't have a ticket until like late June, early July. Um, so I was up in the air still, and I wasn't overly attached to it. I was thinking, you know, if I go great, if I don't, that's okay. Um, but the cards came out in a way where I found a ticket. I, the camp wanted me to be there. There was an opportunity for me to be involved in production work and in building the camp, which for me, that's a huge part of it is the participation aspect. Uh, feeling like you're giving something to the whole system is a really important part of it for one. And for me personally, at Love Burn, our local regional burn, I had an experience where I didn't feel like I was participating and that broke my heart afterwards. Like I felt like, wow, I got to do more, you know, which feels really good to feel that. And I hope that that's a takeaway that a lot of people get. Um, but this year I was ready and there was an opportunity. So I went with it. Was that feeling of not doing enough at Love Burn? Did that come from some moments of laziness or where, how did that come about? Yeah, so the first time I went was uh, three, four years ago, whatever, like pre-COVID. Um, Elena, our dear friend, uh, brought me in. I really didn't have any camp affiliation. I was pretty new to the scene. I didn't know like all these burners and artists and musicians. Um, but she was like, you have to come. And it's right in your backyard. It's amazing. Come. So I was like, cool. Um, so I brought a tent and I set up shop in the camp that she was with but I wasn't like a, an official member of the camp. Um, the first night I had an anxiety attack and I had to go home because I felt like so out of place. And that was partially justified that I wasn't really integrated into the camp and I wasn't really the part of it that I felt I needed to be. 
but also part of it was it was just fucking overwhelming. I mean, there's so much mm. going on, so many people, the stimulation. It was just it was too much that night, and I just had to go to my own bed to feel safe. So I went home and came back the next day fresh, had a great rest of the burn, and did not really give much to it. I mean, I gave my energy, and I, I was very open with that. But in terms of like building something or like helping out with work, I didn't really do shit. So I knew afterwards that the next time I had to be more involved for my own satisfaction. So the last love burn this year, I went with Mickey Beach, which was great precursor to the the big burn. And I, I knew that I was going to be involved with like setting up camp, breaking down camp, which those alone are a huge part of the process. Um, but also I wanted to set up a uh, mushroom tea sort of uh, station uh, especially on one of the days in particular, I wanted, really wanted to make some mushroom tea and, uh, the motto of Mickey beach camp is don't do too much. <laughs> and I really love that because it, it, it speaks to a lot, you know, don't get too fucked up. Don't like force yourself past your physical limitations. Don't feel like you have to be working all the time because it's also your burn and you need to have some fun and some experience, but you got to do some stuff or you feel short, short on it. And ended up being that the morning where I was planning to do this tea setup, I was super tired. I was unorganized. I didn't have a table. Everything just wasn't really in place for me to make it happen the way I had envisioned. So my campmates, they were like, dude, don't worry about it. It's fine. Like people are going to be fine. You know, it'd be cool if you did it, but like, it's totally not a big deal. So I let go of it a little bit, but the next day I broke down with a friend. I felt so guilty. I felt so like lazy for not having followed through on this sort of loose promise that I made to set up this Mm. thing. And again, it was that, that feeling of like burning man makes me want to give more. And I think that is a pretty universal feeling that people get. So that was like, okay, I'm not going to do this again, unless I really feel good about what I'm putting into it. And so those two experiences were great lead-ins to the actual Burning Man because this time I was very committed. I I wanted to be very clear on having some responsibility, some value, and balancing the the pleasure side of it with the pain and suffering, you know, because it's it's a microcosm of life. And so yeah, it was it was interesting how those two experiences were very like big chapters leading me to a place where I'm like, okay, now I actually feel like I did too much at Burning Man. (laughs) So (laughs) flip the coin completely. Yeah, it sounds like it's the evolution of your human experience. You know, I think maybe three or four years ago, I would show up to a party like that and not really look to help set up so much and would almost pride myself on like oh i'm bringing a loving vibe and that's my contribution to this party but then over and time is, you kind of it is. It, it is a contribution but over time as i think you can probably relate as you get involved in putting on events and getting closer to seeing all the energy that goes into creating these events they don't just happen (laughs) there's people putting in work and then as you learn more about that you start to feel a little bit of a responsibility to help out and then it's almost like your deeper truth or higher self knows that that's how you'd like to contribute and then when we don't show up that way that gap is like 
the intensity of stress that we feel. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. when you're unconscious of it, it's like, oh, whatever, just set up my tent and let Billy do all the work. But then <laughs> in the process of becoming conscious, I think oftentimes there's some painful moments where maybe you don't show up the way that ultimately you would like to, but oftentimes I think you have to feel that and have that experience so that you can level up and show up that way the next time. So it's really cool to see how that kind of progressed for you coming into this burn. And also just want to make a quick note about the uh, mini panic attack you had on the first night of the love burn there because I think of you as someone who's an, an A plus social human and for you to feel overwhelmed and to honor your your body and go home which is really cool it's not an easy thing to do but it's just a reminder like to be empathetic to understand that like if if fish is feeling socially overwhelmed right now i can only imagine what some other people are feeling and it's just a reminder to like smile and treat others as you would want to be treated and maybe treat them as as if they were potentially having that that situation that you were feeling with that panic attack and just be there to welcome and receive people in a loving way. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I consider myself uh, an introverted extrovert, <laughs> as yeah. many people have heard that term. I thrive in social settings and I consider myself very good at connecting, you know, very good at communicating. And I love people. I love connecting with them. But at times, it's a lot. And when there's a hundred new people around you that it's, you know, at a burn, it's not just like you're at some big social engagement and you don't really need to connect with all these people. Like there's just a bunch of different dots that some are going to make sense. Some aren't, some don't need to connect, whatever. There's a little bit more of an impetus or a a sense of pressure almost to be open to everybody around you because you're all part of this bigger thing and this like family. So at a burn where you're around a hundred new people, you actually kind of feel a little obligation to connect with them. So it's not, and then if you don't, if you're not in a space to allow yourself to do that, it's very easy to feel self-conscious about it or guilty or like, I'm not showing up with the Mm -hmm. energy or the openness that I feel is demanded of me in this context. And that was a big part of it. It's like, I, I, I need to either stay in my tent all night, which is pointless if I can just go home in 15 minutes, or I just need to go home and be in my space, recollect myself, recenter and come back with a different energy. Yeah, and so much of that comes down to our internal state of being and how we show up. Like, if I'm feeling depressed about finances or not really confident about what I'm doing with the Army of Love and don't know how to explain myself when people ask me what do I do or what my passion is, I kind of shell up a lot more mm-hmm. and being in those intimate uh communal settings which in the bigger picture is exactly what we need to be vulnerable Mm -hmm. and just let that out but sometimes that's a a little bit of a a dance or a battle to get to that point so this conversation could go a million directions as always i think i'll just get us started off with a simple question and then we can roll into some of the points that you may have been thinking about the last week or so To start us off, uh, let's just chat a little bit about expectations. As much as we try to go into experience without expectation, 
uh, it's pretty impossible to completely sideline that. So I'm curious, just off the top of your head, how was the Burning Man experience in alignment to what you were expecting? Yeah, it's a really good question. Uh, that's a theme that comes up a lot. You know, I wrote about it in my Instagram little recap post um, with especially with something like Burning Man or say like ayahuasca, uh, these really deep experiences people are having these days. A lot of the time they come out of them with this sense that like, I need to share this with the world. Like, holy shit, like I need to get this out there. I need to tell everybody I know about it. Part of that comes from a really deep, true place of wanting to share something beautiful with the world. And part of it is our ego that's like, I did a really cool thing. Like, I want to let people know that I did a really cool thing. And that varies for different people, you know, there's different levels of those at play. Um, but Burning Man, especially for people that don't live the sort of lifestyle that you and I do, where we're immersed in the music world, we have these like festival experiences, you know, if someone's working in corporate and Burning Man is their only escape from that. It's like, holy fucking shit. What? A, yeah, I just went to massive. literally went to Mars. Like <laughs> you guys got to know that Mars exists. Right. So, right. <laughs> and then. And, and then they're painting the picture of that experience with their frame of reference and their lens, not necessarily an objective version of what it is. So over the years, I've been you know, told about Burning Man from a thousand different people in a thousand different ways. So and I've also watched a lot of like different little documentaries about it. I, I've always been fascinated by it. I always wanted to know more. But I was always careful to say, like, I know when I end up going, I'm going to have my experience. And I'm going to do the very best I can to be open to what my experience is and not let the projections or the beliefs or ideas of other people dictate my experience. Yep. So that's, that's a really big thing to go into it with like, of course, you're going to have expectation. It's, I'm probably gonna have the best party experience of my life. I'm probably going to like sweat my dick off a couple of days and like hate my life in some ways. I'm probably going to meet meet some amazing people i might fall in love with a girl randomly but i also might not meet anyone i might also only hang out with my friends is i i felt like i did a really good job of going in with a picture an image of expectation in my mind but also being very open to i don't fucking know what's going to happen <laughs> you know i really don't and every time you go from what i've heard and what i can assume it can be a totally different experience you know like so many things exist there so many different types of people different experiences that one year to the next can be other than the setting you're in can be in completely different experiences. I mean, you might end up just partying the whole time one year. And then the next year you might end up at this Tantra camp where you're just like doing workshops the whole time, or like you end up falling in love with some live musician that, you know, like there's so much. So I, I really was mindful about that and went into it with like the expectation for me created more of a backdrop of how to navigate in a way that made sense and to like make the experience not easier, but like more effective in a lot of ways. Cause if you go in with no idea, it's like, good luck. <laughs> you know, you need, you need to have some expectation. Cause like, it's going to be hot as fuck. It's likely to be cold as fuck. There's going to be sandstorms. Probably you need to have things that can get you through these very problematic times. So I was very prepared through the people in my camp and through reading articles I knew that like all these different things can be possible. So I went in prepared for the worst, hoping for the best, actually hoping for both of them. And also in terms of the music side of it, because, you know, we're music lovers and I knew that was going to be part of my experience. I had a whole fucking like schedule of like, these are the 
these are the parties I want to go to. This is my homies playing here, blah, blah, blah. I want to go see Nick at 8.15 and 12J, whatever. Yeah, how did that go? <laughs> uh, I checked about two of the 20 things that I had on my list off. And, and, and luckily, friends told me going in to make sure I knew that like it's possible none of that happens. And it's okay. If anything, you're actually better off if it doesn't because that means you are in the flow and you're just experiencing whatever's coming up in the moment. So it becomes this really intricate dance of setting intentions and having some hopeful expectations of what you might do and what you might experience, who you might see, but in any given moment, being able to let go of that completely. And so like, other than say that there was a kind music sunrise party that me and a group of friends were like dead set. We're not missing this. I don't care. <laughs> like this is our crucible music experience. And we made that happen. But like there were a few others like Carl Cox did like the morning disco party and there's like uh, Oliver Koletsky did a sunrise and, you know, we fucking love Oliver. That would have been amazing. But I was asleep and that's OK. And and you realize as you go along that letting go of all attachment and expectation is a big lesson and a big part of it, which bleeds into life as a whole. And so, yeah, it's a big balancing act of like I want to do this stuff, but if I don't, it's all good. And so I, I think I did a pretty good job of navigating that. Yeah, it's like you prepare to a certain level and then once you show up, you, you just let it go. And what's what's meant to be is yeah. meant to be. And if things are important to you, like the Kind Music Sunrise set, like there's a little more weight in that seed that's planted. But even then, if you're not feeling well or if you're vibing with someone on the other side of the playa, you're not really going to break that flow or you are if you remember and then you you end up there so I mean, it's a little bit of both yeah um on that note what which musical experiences whether it was the the music itself or just the vibrational experience you had in that moment what stood out to you anything come to mind uh yeah i mean that kind music sunrise was f fucking awesome and Honestly, for their music, for like the set, uh, compared to I've seen them a handful of times, I follow them religiously. It wasn't their best set. They played like a seven out of 10 set or something like that, if I'm judging it from like a musical perspective. However, the crowd, the vibration, the sunrise, the sound system, the energy, the fact that we had like three or four different groups of people that all managed to find each other. We were all hoping to come together. We all did. Because as you learn, the playa provides is more than a cliche. And you end up having these magical moments where like, how are we all here right now? Like there's 4,000 people <laughs> and we all just found each other in the right spot. Like that shit makes you feel so much magic. Not to mention the fact that like there's, there is cell phone use and people take videos. I do it. But it's not like driving the experience. People are getting down. People are open. People are making eye contact. You know, if you bump into your neighbor, it's not like, oh, it's more like, oh, hey, man, let's hang out. You know, um, it's the women feel a lot safer. The men are there for not so sexual reasons for the most part, not entirely. But mm -hmm. it the overall dynamic of the experience was that was at the time the best party I've ever been to in my life. Like just the people, the energy, the atmosphere. It was really, really magnificent in so many ways. And and I know Burning Man is, is more than a party, but sometimes the party is a big part of it. And as we've talked about, these parties can be their own form of religious and spiritual experiences. So for me, that can be just as valuable, if not more, as some 
authentic communication and relating workshop, because maybe at the party, I'm learning those things in a very not so obvious way, but in a way that's more in alignment with who I am and what my life looks like, rather than like adhering to some other system that might help me, but it's just different, you know? Um, so that was, that was super epic. And then I didn't even know going in, but, um, Lee Burridge does a sunrise set on the burn day. And it's, I, I should have known I've watched it on YouTube before and I, it wasn't like on my programming schedule. And one of my campmates was like, dude, uh, just make sure you're at Lee Burridge Saturday morning. Like no questions. And I was like, I love Lee. I love sunrises. I'm going to make that a high priority. And I did. And I went and I mean, he's been doing that for years. It's kind of his like trademark. It's fucking church, church to the maximum. Like everybody's so there for it. It's the burn day. Everybody's super pumped up and has all this like super exciting energy. And most people sleep the night before because they want to have a full day that day. Um, So that was really, really special too. And you can tell like when a DJ, I mean, Lee Burge puts his heart into damn near every set he plays but his he's just like sending so much energy and plays really beautiful music it was so so good and then uh, beyond that the only other music experience i had that really stood out was um as as you know i've kind of connected with patrice bomel in the last year or so uh fortunately I had a chance to book him this year and we've like became pretty good friends so before the burn i hit him up and i was like where are you playing i want to come see you and he let me know a few of his uh, gigs. And then he said he was playing a B2B with Hernan Catano one of the days. And I'm like, legends, legends. Like I can see Lee Burridge three times a year in Miami. I cannot see Hernan Catano right. and Patrice Bomel together almost ever anywhere. So I was like, of all the things that actually was the most special and unique music experience that I saw. And fortunately, I made it over there for like two or three hours. I actually ran into Charlie and Deanna from San Diego. <laughs> which was- nice. I, anytime I see them, I'm like, I am in the right place because we just are on yep. the same frequency, you know? Uh, so that was super fun. And musically speaking, it was the most unique and kind of thrilling and exciting experience. Um, but yeah, those were really the big three in terms of music and everything else. There was a lot of cool shit, but like those were just mwah, mwah, mwah. Mm, I can feel it. I got two <laughs> follow up questions. So. I'll throw them both at you and then you can you can handle them how you want to. Uh, first, I'm curious what the the ratio was for you in terms of day partying and night partying. Like when we went to Garbage Festival, I don't think I partied one night. Like it was super <laughs> heavy, dark music on really crowded dance floors. I felt a lot less eye contact and a lot more like in your own head kind of space. And there's a time and a place for that, but I just didn't align with it. And I don't usually, I, I am a fucking, when it comes to festivals, I do, I do the daytime all the way. And then by nighttime I'm ready to rest. So that's, that's one day versus night for you. And then two, I'm curious. uh, We talked about this a little bit before you went to burning man, about you were you were putting some energy i don't want to say worry but you were thinking about like am i going to be at music all the time am i going to wander am i going to allow myself to flow and we kind of both laughed about it and we were like it's going to take care of itself but i'm curious now after the fact like 
how did that go for you? Did you find yourself attached to music and that was like a safe space for you by the speaker versus how much did you flow around? And it's like, oh shit, it's been two days and I haven't even heard music. Uh, so how was that for you between the day and the night and the party versus flow or workshop kind of scenario? So to address the first question, um, first and foremost, Mickey Beach in previous years at Burning Man has had their parties as daytime parties primarily. Um, this year was different. It was the first time that they were doing all night parties. So that was a new dynamic for them, which in some ways is super fucking cool because we had lasers. We had the same lasers as mine warrior. We had these like led palm fronds made out of resin that I helped build. That was super dope, like super psychedelic looking with leds on the inside. So the, the, the visual aesthetic aspect of night parties, there's a lot more to be offered. Um, but like you, I prefer the daytime vibes if I can help it all the time. And there's just better energy, less, you know, overabundance of drug use, just a lot of elements that I prefer are exist during the day. The music tends to be more bright and good feeling instead of dark shit. Um, and I like a little mix of it, but I prefer the light shit. And yep. so I went in thinking, okay, well, Mickey Beach is doing night parties. I'm going to be subjected to some of those willingly. Um, but I want to have a balance of both. And so that's why part of my schedule was like Patrice and Hernan were in the afternoon at district. Like I knew that was going to be a super vibey daytime thing. Um, the sunrise parties kind of fall in between because you have a lot of people there that have been there all night and they still carry that night dark energy. And then, but you do have like a thousand people that just woke up at 4am to come out for sunrise. So you get that daytime vibe as well. And then once the light comes out, you know, it changes the atmosphere in a lot of ways. Uh, in terms of what I actually experienced, it was hot as fuck during the day, like 110, 115 degrees. So yeah, like blistering, blistering heat. So that made it really tough to party during the day without getting completely beat to death by the sun, which there is an interesting thing. I realized that the dust actually serves as a natural sun repellent and sunscreen. And you end up having a layer or two of this dust on you at all times. And some of my more paler skinned friends, I was noticing like they're not getting burned and we're using sunscreen. But like uh, after two, uh, two or three days, my pasty homeboy should be a lot more red than he is. Maybe there's actually something to this dust. So that helps. But still, it's so hot. And, if, and it's not like you have a backpack full of beer or whatever. You can find a cold beverage here and there. But goddamn ice and cold beverages become like the gold of the playa. Yeah. It's yep. the great <laughs> like um, a margarita on ice at 2 p.m. is something you like fall to your knees type of shit, you know? Um, yeah. <laughs> so, so I ended up having a pretty good mix of daytime and nighttime music experiences. Uh, but overall, I, I would say like it was hard to have as much of the daytime experience as I would have liked because the weather was just so, so brutal. And like, I would rather preserve that three or four hours, like in a shady spot, like restoring my energy than forcing myself to go to a daytime party with maybe great vibes, but where afterwards I'm like, I need to lay down in the RV because I'm dead. Um, so it depends on the year. In past years when it was like a little cooler outside and Mickey Beach was doing daytime parties, I'm sure I would have been super down for all the daytime stuff. I would have been more active at that time, but this year dictated such that it just made more sense to be out when it was dark and sunrise was actually the coolest time of day 
uh, that was, I brought a heavy, like fur coat, faux fur coat. And the only time I wore it was, uh, during Carlita sunrise. And that was between the hours of like seven and 9am. It got down to like 60 degrees, which is still not cold by any stretch. Um, relatively chilly, rel- relatively chilly. Exactly. So how nice is it to dance in those coats, by the way? It's, oh, it just feels like there's something there, like me dancing in a little bit of a costume, like with a coat like that and a hat versus me in like a plain white tee in my shorts. I can't lie. I, I have more freedom in the costume. Do you, do you feel that way as well? Absolutely. Uh, what, like it's, it's so noticeable. Um, and it, it's kind of obvious once you think about it, cause we're less of our own identity and our own ego when we're wearing these like very costume sort of outfits where now we're like, I'm playing a character in this, uh, movie that we're making together. I'm not just like fish and that's it. You know, like I'm fish right. under that costume, but it allows us to free ourselves from the self-consciousness or the self-judgment or like, what is someone going to think of me? Which I, you know, we try our best to avoid, but it comes in sometimes. And also when everybody around you is wearing that shit, then you're like, oh, we're all just a bunch of fucking weirdos. There's no identities goofball. exist right now. It's goofball time. Goofball central. Also, like, there's just something, I mean, I'm sure this isn't the same for everybody, but, you know, the, the security blanket feeling of having something, like, warm hugging you, basically, while you're while you're doing whatever expression that you're doing, it just makes me feel a lot more comfortable breaking it down and getting weird as fuck. And to your point, the most like dance experience I had was that morning when I was wearing my pink fur coat and my pink bucket hat, Carlita's playing like super funky, dancey, groovy shit. Me and my friends were like, I would, if someone would have watched me that day, they might think I'm a professional dancer. Cause like <laughs> I'm capable, I'm capable of losing myself so much. And you know, we've experienced that together to where when you're so tapped into the music and you're so out of your head that you're just like flowing in such a beautiful way. And I don't think that would have happened if I was in the t-shirt and shorts. Like there's just a different experience there. So yeah, that's a really good point. Yeah. It's something I couldn't help but notice at festivals I've been to in the past. And in the initial observation of that, I sort of, mm, how do I say this? Like, I was almost a little bit down on myself for not feeling as free without the costume. And it made me question like, huh, like, am I hiding something? Like, do I, do I need to hide in the space hat to really express myself fully and what's going on there? And, you know, I don't have a complete answer, but that's been an interesting path of awareness for me to explore. But again, with anything, it's like, Hey, if you want to explore, explore, but like be kind to yourself and just observe with minimal judgment and, you know, you'll learn what you learn from it over time. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And then to address the second question, uh, I had created a, like I said, a programming sort of rough outline of what I, what I wanted to do. And I created a pretty good balance of parties I really wanted to go to other parties that if I had needed some direction at any given point, I would know where to go. But I also had a handful of friends that were part of camps that do nothing but like holistic workshops or like communication workshops. Or there was uh, Rick Doblin gave a talk, which I fucking love Rick Doblin so much. I would have loved to shake his hand, say thank you and just like hear him speak in person. Um, So I had a pretty good balance in my mind going in of how I was going to like 
veer out of the party lane or the music lane. Life had other plans. <laughs> and uh, part of that was that we were on the edge, one edge of the city that mm. was mostly music oriented. And to go to a lot of the other stuff, it would require a bike ride, like a 20, 30 minute bike ride to the other side of the city, which might normally be not that big of a deal. But as hot as it was, combined with the fact that the the city streets this year, which I've heard that it's never been like this, were so uh, bumpy and rough and like so treacherous to pedal through. I had just a one speed rental, like shitty bike. It was so hard to go two blocks. Like you're literally like, just like you're getting stuck in sand pits. Like it, it required tremendously more energy than it would have on like a city street to bike, you know, down to my homies yeah. camp. So one of my friends from Miami told me about this uh, workshop called the Emote-a-thon that he said was one of the most profound learning experiences he's ever had around direct and clear communication. And he was like, you should come, you should really come. So I was like dead set on going to that. I couldn't make it. I just couldn't do it. I w it was going to, not only was it going to be uh, an inefficient expenditure of energy, but like it was going to take me way longer to get there. It was going to require so much more effort. And in a moment of analysis, I just didn't see it as being a good decision. Um, another friend was part of a camp that does this sort of um, a tea and facial sort of spa <laughs> situation. Yeah. Put like cucumbers on your eyes, mist you down, like super restorative serve you some nice tea that sounded amazing right super good balance to partying again it was like it would have been a 30 minute bike ride through these bumpy ass streets to where it's like i just it doesn't make sense to do this right now and especially knowing that like i have direct experience available here that does nourish me and provide a lot of deeper value than just like dancing and having a good time so it, i had one morning that i went and met up with a friend and we went and had lord sort of a spa morning we went and got a little bit of massage. Uh, there was this really cool igloo thing that you go in and they have a freezer with these gel masks in this freezer. And you can just like put on one of these mm. freezing cold masks on your face, which again, anything cold is just like laying mm. on me. Yeah. And uh, so we did that and um, <clears throat> did a couple restorative things here and there, but I didn't sit in one workshop. I didn't do one yoga class. I didn't sit in one talk, which for me, the talks, I have very mixed feelings about and generally speaking at a festival i feel like there's so much engaging felt like active experience for me to have that watching something that i could listen to on youtube a week later when i'm decompressing doesn't really feel like where my energy should go in that in that context um that said the rick doblin talk would have been like one that i would love to go to just because like i worship him so much and and I, from what i've heard the talks are not typical because you'll have someone walking around giving popsicles out or like yeah. there's little things, little magic things that are going on that are not typical. But even then, like an hour or two sitting somewhere, just listening to someone talk, I like I'd rather be looking at art or like talking to someone new or whatever. Um, I did have one night on the last night, actually, where we were doing breakdown, which uh, this kind of became an interesting experience because I was – uh, I signed up to do pre-production work and to do builds and then do a kitchen shift as my sort of camp work duties. And the kitchen shift was super fun. I worked with like five homies. We made lunch for everyone. Fucking awesome. You know, we we're having a good time dancing the whole time. And then of course, serving people food and having them react, especially in that setting where everyone's like, please feed me. And, yeah. uh, and when you feed them like beef curry and fucking ribeye steak and they're just like, Oh, 
that was fun. I would do that uh, every single day if I yeah, could. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but after that, I was like, okay, I'm free. I'm done working. You know, like after this Wednesday shift, it's my burn. I can do what I want. That's it. I've done enough. Ended up being that the breakdown experience was a few people bailed who were supposed to be there for breakdown. And the breakdown, the moop clean, these are probably the most important parts of the entire thing from a camp aspect because yeah, if you yeah. if you leave a mess you're not welcome back if you don't do a good job cleaning up after yourself you either are not welcome back or you're given much worse placement not to mention it's just the right thing to do like totally the yep. leave no trace which i'll get into more about that um is such an important aspect of this whole thing and it's such a big test of like how much value people have in that part of it and in the cohesive wholeness of what burning man is supposed to be so my homie alex part of dude skywalker he leads the charge on breakdown a few people bailed uh i had already worked that day helping to break down some of the infrastructure but i was about to ride out to deep playa with my uh, rv mate to go like find robot heart have one more last night of dancing as we're leaving camp alex is like guys i really need some help and i'm like you know camp above all we're here as family, like we're not gonna leave you hanging. So we helped out for a couple hours and it was me, my RV mate Rob, who hadn't done a lot. So like it was probably good as a balance for him to contribute a little more. But the other people helping were the guys that were the most active in the production side of the mm. camp. They had worked tooth and nail, like blood, sweat yeah. and fucking tears. These guys should be able to lay somewhere and get hand jobs and grapes fed to them. Like yeah. they should not have to work. It was us who've already slaved away, slaving away more. And I eventually reached a breaking point where I was like, I I feel bad that there's not someone here to help with this, but I also don't feel it's my responsibility. And I feel like as my first burn, I need to be able to have my burn to myself in a lot of ways. You know, that's a big selfishness is a good thing in some situations and protecting your, you know, protecting your boundaries, like not doing too much again. So Eventually, I, I like kind of snapped. I, I never lose my cool. I, you know, you know me. Like I'm, I'm yep. pretty much even keel all the time. I freaked out. I was like, dude, I'm done here. Like this is not my re responsibility. Like I'm sorry you don't have other people, but like I, I just can't do this anymore. I'm tired. I want to go look at some art. Want to have my last night. That's it. And he, he didn't really know that I was already so involved in all the other dynamics, and also that I wasn't signed on to do strike or build or breakdown at all. And so we kind of got into it in a very mild way, like it, very, very low key got into it. But I, instead of engaging in that and inflaming the situation, I said, fuck it, I'm going to get on my bike and I'm going to ride out and that's it. And I, I, I hope things get handled, but like, I cannot be the person to do this right now. I just, there's, it doesn't feel right in my heart and coming from an experience, like I had love burn where I felt like I didn't do enough and my heart was bleeding because of it Right. for my heart to say, go ahead, go ahead, fish, like do your thing. I felt pretty good about it. So that night ended up being one of the coolest experiences I had. I rode out to deep playa by myself. I just went out super far. Like I rode for like an hour, went out to crazy art installations, found some of the coolest shit I had seen the whole time, which for me, the art is a huge part of it. Like what humans are capable of building when they're given the space, time and resources to do so. And when it's just for pure share of artistic joy, like, these, there's no names on the installations. You really, unless you find someone that knows, you don't know who made it. So they're yeah. not promoting themselves. You know, decommodification is one of the principles. So you see these things that took a whole year in some situations to build, to be left there for seven days to spark something in people's minds. It's this 
wait, yeah. I could do life is not what I think, you know? And that was just like, wow. Like I really felt that. And I felt like the non, the non-party side, I felt the artistic side of Burning Man in a way that I had the whole week. And so I'm so glad that I just set that boundary mm-hmm. and I said, I'm not going to engage. I'm just going to go. And, um, and it's all good. Like I talked to him later and, and he was like, yeah, I get it. Like everybody was stressed and people didn't show up. It's not your fault, blah, blah, blah. So, and things got done. Mickey Beach is really, really good about the cleanup because we're a bunch of fucking party animal degenerates and we might make a mess, but we're going to clean up after ourselves. And that's all that matters, you know, do whatever the fuck you want, but if there's no trace of it, all good. And yeah. so things, things got done. Fortunately, we didn't leave anything behind. Um, a lot of people did, which kind of leads me into an important thing I wanted to talk about. Um, since the burn, I've checked Reddit, I've gone into Facebook groups. I want to see like what people's reflections are, what the impact was like, you know, what people's, all these different things. I'm curious. There was a lot of shit left behind. There's mm. a picture floating around the internet of like a thousand bikes that people left. And there's a sort of rumor that goes around that there's a service that comes around and collects these bikes and then donates them. It's not true. And people spread this rumor because they heard it from someone else. So it creates this idea that like, Oh, my bike, I can just leave someone. Yeah. yeah, It's a bike. Someone will want it. Right. That is so not fucking cool. And I understand that it can be very difficult to bring your bike out. And to that point, we ended up um, stuffing our bikes into the back of our RV uh, storage area. And on the way out, like the situation as it was, was that we were going to have no option to to bring them anywhere. We were in a hurry to drop the RV off. We ended up leaving our bikes at a roadside. There's like these garbage dump stations as you leave the burn where you can pay for your garbage to be disposed of, which actually supports the local economy. And you're like giving work to some people and it's not the worst thing in a lot of ways, but we, paid money to leave our bike <laughs> like uh i feel so gross uh we paid money to leave our bikes at a dumpster and I, like i was like <sighs> what am i doing right now you know so i understand that it can be a big pain in the ass to figure out what to do with your bike afterwards that said i will never let that happen again i will plan way better i will know that i'm going to bring it somewhere even then there's no fucking way I would have left my bike at the burn. No fucking, like, I just could not even fathom doing that. I heard people saying, like, you can just go leave it by the porta potties and, like, who knows? I'm like, uh, you know, what are we, are we burners or are we just fucking pretending right now, you know? Yeah. And yeah. so for all of the, like, leave no trace, sustainability, conscious effort, whatever stuff, there's plenty of hypocrisy. There's plenty of bullshit. There's, 80,000 people, you can't expect all of them to be completely in line and embody all of these things. And that's humanity, right? <laughs> like right. we're learning, we're learning, we're getting better. So I saw this picture floating around. I saw in a Burning Man Facebook group, someone was like basically saying how Burning Man is a total joke. And this type of stuff makes a mockery of this like sustainable blah, blah, fucking bullshit. However, There's another side to that coin that I think is super important that while there may be this trace left behind, let's say, or a negative environmental impact might, might be resulting of it. There, there's certainly some shitty things that go down again. I paid, I'll admit I paid to dump my bike in the trash. Like that is fucked up. Right. I'm learning. I'm learning. It's going to make me better. And, uh, the, the experience and the impact that it has on people 
and the the mind opening and heart opening moments and experiences people can have the way that trickles out into humanity in various different ways you know we've talked about this before smile at your taco stand guy right yep. the things the things that the good parts of it that happen there cannot be quantified in a photo you can't take a picture of the open heartedness that expanded out of this experience you can't take a picture of the trauma that was released at the temple burn you can't take a picture of the community that was built as a result of this magical thing happening and you can't quantify the technological innovation that comes out of it you can't quantify the moral and ethical implications that bleed into business and into culture as a result of people that otherwise would never be exposed to this way of living or type of thinking now have and will carry with them forever so <laughs> it's heavy shit man and it's like it's it's this and that it's not that but that you know it's like there's a dark side to everything and there's always going to be and there always have been people that left their bikes behind a lot of people were like oh this is a result of like the coachellification of burning man right and right don't don't get me wrong there is some of that shit but still those people may well need to have this experience to become a more compassionate open-hearted person it's all part of this like cycle of life that's happening that is represented and experienced in this little container. So those people who left their bikes, maybe now they see this Facebook message and they feel a deep sense of shame about it. And they feel, damn, that was fucked up. I shouldn't do that, you know? Or maybe they don't. And that's completely okay. Even if those thousand people, let's say, for example, they remain like not adhering to the values. They don't give a shit about the principles, whatever. If 10 people do and were affected in a way that now their entire business their entire family their all their relationships are affected in this like deeply profoundly changing way that that balances out a lot and we can't quantify that we can't put that in a photo so we you know steve jobs elon musk some of the greatest creators on earth have been impacted by burning man so it it shouldn't be taken away that the there's another side to this and it's very fucking important and I witnessed, I felt the the changes that people have when they're there and they're like, what is this, you know? So yeah, it's 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 a two-sided coin. And I, I, I was very passionate when I saw that because I feel that I'm like, damn, that's so fucked up. What are we doing? But if I, as a, I think I'm a burner, I think I'm pretty goodly adhered and aligned with these principles. If I felt like a piece of shit for leaving my bike at a dumpster and paying some guy that needs money to feed his kids to get rid of it, then like that speaks volumes to, I think what's possible within that. And so it's very, very nuanced. Yeah. Well said. Nice little rant there. I could, I could feel nice. that. And you're never going to get a hundred percent participation in following the principles and the etiquette around leave no trace and things like this. Uh, we last minute with like a week's notice, we put together a little uh, mini burn here in my town we'll keep it on the low because we're keeping it on the low but yeah we did that and uh the main organizer who's a veteran burner himself did a great job of like really reiterating in the group chat and everything the importance of leave no trace this that and the third and you know on the first night there's i find myself picking up people's cigarette butts off the ground and there is this sort of deep breath of like, what the fuck? Like, don't you get it? But then, you know, there's also a moment where maybe 
somebody sees me picking up those cigarette butts and they have that moment of awareness or maybe guilt or shame if they were the one who left it there. And this is all part of this process of us growing and evolving and our consciousness raising. So on the road of evolution, there is going to be that necessary shadow side that accompanies these really bright moments. And then when it comes to the Reddit and the Facebook commentary, um, I mean, that's a, that's a whole other conversation. <laughs> but there's, there, I guess the point I want to get across is there's people who... I believe are attached to their opinion or their perspective or view about something. So anytime they get any little bit of ammunition that supports their (laughs) hatred on this event or whatever, you know, you get a bunch of people in that same frequency collectively saying, hi, I told you so this is a bullshit ass event. But to your point, they're not seeing the other side of it and all the beauty that comes from it. Having said that, I think there's value in all the perspectives. And if you don't have someone there to kind of say, hey, look, this is a shameful amount of garbage that you left behind, um, maybe we don't take the most efficient steps to doing a better job next time. So grateful for all of that. Uh, You mentioned trauma release at the temple burn Uh, if you want to speak to that specifically you can but i wanted to ask you about um you don't need to go into details about your own situation if you don't want to and i don't even know if, if it's applicable but i'm really curious about repressed stress so for me i got invited to go to burning man this year and I said no, it was an immediate no to me because it wasn't a full yes. And part of that reason is that uh, I'm in a financial situation that's pretty stressful and I'm dedicating my energy to taking care of my primary needs before I continue to flow around life like I have been the last four years. And sometimes we go to these parties And it's an opportunity for it to be a a mindful escape in a way. Like if I'm sitting here for the last three months, just worried about finances, worried about finances, and then I go to Burning Man, it could potentially offer an opportunity to maybe temporarily dissolve, dissolve that stress and for me to be present and to be open and to maybe even overcome and transmute that stress. On the other hand, it can be just a total like escape. And if you just push away the shit that's really sitting deeply with you, uh, I find that at these parties, oftentimes it will haunt me and it'll show up after a big high night. And then when I'm laying down, still tripping on acid, trying to go to sleep, the worry bug hits me and I start feeling a little bit of panic. But within all of that, I do think there's a healthy balance and dance to like allow that deeper truth to present itself in the moment of a Burning Man experience. And then to really like, instead of turning away from it and escaping it, almost like absorbing it and really accepting it. And in that environment of love and support that you get from the community aspect of a Burning Man, 
there's potential that you can accept this maybe on a deeper level. I'm curious if you had any experience with that, if there's anything that you've sort of been repressing that showed up on like day four uh, on your bike ride home at Burning Man and what that dance was like for you personally. Yeah, that's funny that you put it in that context because that's more or less exactly what happened. Um, Like you, I've been in a pretty stressful financial situation as of late. Um, You know, I've been doing production work for the last couple of years, putting a lot into it, not getting a lot in return. I'm totally okay with that because I see it as a bigger picture and I'm, I know that in the future it's going to reap rewards and I'm not in it for the money. And, you know, you go to something like Burning Man and you really start to wonder why the fuck do we have money? This is so stupid. Can't we just give each other stuff? However, we live, we live in the system we live in and we have to deal with that. And we have basic needs that have to be met. And so for me going into the burn, it was a big, like I mentioned before, it was, I was on the fence about whether or not it made sense for me to go because financially speaking, I couldn't really justify it as an expense. Um, Like if I'm looking at my budget, it's like spending $3,000 to go party in the desert for a week. It's fucking stupid. I need to get a job. Um, (laughs) However, (laughs) and, but I knew there were, I knew there was a balance to that. I knew that I would, there would be unforeseen value that would show up in a myriad of ways later on in life. And so I was committed to the decision I had made to go. I tried to do it as budget minded as I could. You know, I still rented an RV because I needed to get some sleep and have some comfort or I would die. Like simple as that. Um, But I I did it fairly minimally compared to what a lot of people do, um, paying for like a nice setup or whatever. Still during the burn, it kept coming up for me of like, I need to pay rent in a month. I have doctor's appointments coming up that I need to pay for. I have a storage unit that I need to pay for. I have expenses that are piling up that I don't really know what I'm going to do about. Like I have some investments pending that I can't really touch right now. I don't really have much liquid to work with. So am I escaping these these problems that are not going to go away? <laughs> They're not disappearing. These people are going to keep calling. If anything, my the interest on my credit card bill is going to go up. You know, it's not going anywhere. So it's one of those situations where you like you push the monster away, it gets bigger, right? So that was in my mind a lot. And I tried to do my best of letting go of that and being present with the experience to allow myself to figure it out after in a way, because then I would have an opportunity to process all of it and to like see what was coming as a result of the decisions I had made rather than being still in the process of those things happening. Um, Cause you can't see it when you're in it, you have to like absorb it all and integrate afterwards. So there was actually a day, it was probably day four, if I remember correctly, where I was on acid as I was a few of the days there. It's pretty fucking great. Um, but especially when you're not at a party, you especially if you're with yourself that's when your higher self and your higher realizations start to check in with you and say hey buddy you got some shit to deal with and what are you gonna do and i had some major moments of like i don't know what i'm doing with my life in a way Mm -hmm. you know i do when i think more on it but in the like urgency sense it's like I i don't know what's gonna happen in the next two months you know right and i I know that I need to trust that it will work out because I'm, I'm leading with my heart and I'm feeling into what feels good. And I'm going with the path that feels aligned with my higher purpose, but that doesn't all check out in the moment. Sometimes you're just like, fuck dude, I need to pay my storage bill. What am I? That's simple, you know? So 
there was one day in particular where it was like really tough. I ended up having to take some Xanax to get out of my head because it was just like ruining me completely. You know how those mm. thought loops can get and yeah. still love acid to death. I've dealt with that. I will continue to deal with that. It's fine. But it was it was really difficult. And then I got even more self-conscious to the fact that my energy with that was affecting the people around me and that I might not be able to share myself in a way like I, my anxiety might reverberate onto the people around me that now their experience might be dampened because my energy is dampened. And then that mm. is just like this. Yeah. Then it's like, are you allowing yourself to feel what you're feeling? Because if you don't, that's kind of like pushing it away and making the monster bigger. It's a, it's a complicated, beautiful mess. It is. It is. And I, I what I ended up doing that day was journaling so I could at least revisit these feelings and thoughts later if I wasn't able to fully process them then. And that, I mean, I, I don't journal nearly as much as I would like myself to, but when I do, it's very valuable. It, I mean, I don't have to speak on that. You know, I'm sure a lot of the listeners know the power of journaling. It's amazing. Uh, note to self, do it more. <laughs> um, so I ended up writing, you know, in my journal, uh, really reflecting on some of these things so I could analyze them from a more clear place when I wasn't so distracted or whatever. So that was a really constant dance between like, am I here just to escape my reality right now? Am I, did I like create a story in my mind that like, yeah, I should be at Burning Man. There's so many reasons that I should be here mainly so I can get out of my own problems. That was a very tricky space to navigate for me. Luckily, I was often with people that are so big sources of love in my life right now and so much that I care about bonding with and like there's a deeper meaning to our relationships that I, I, I felt good about where I was and who I was with and what I was doing from a really deep sense of truth. But there were certainly moments where I'm like, I'm dancing in the middle of the desert for three hours that I could be like figuring some shit out or like, you know, I could be working for these three hours, making some money to pay my next uh, storage bill, whatever, like that was a, a very big back and forth that I struggled with a lot. So there is, and, and, and I don't know if there's a perfect solution to it. It's just, you know, dancing with it and feeling it and allowing yourself to really feel it and not escape it or push it away. And that leads into the temple thing because man, well, uh, it, so uh, for people who don't know, the temple is this beautiful structure at Burning Man. It's the second most prominent burn to the man and in many ways it's more meaningful and more impactful on people personally than the man actually like for sure it is because basically it's a place for people to go to put remnants of loved ones that they've lost or that have, they've lost contact with it doesn't have to be a death but i would guess like 80 percent or more it's people who've died that people want to sort of have a let go process with have a sort of ritual that lets them come to peace with the person they've lost. And as you know, as I've, I think I've mentioned on here, my brother passed away like four years ago. So I, I knew this was part of it. And for whatever reason in my system, it didn't really come up to me to put together something to bring to the temple for my brother. Once I got there and thought about it more, I was like, damn, like that maybe should have been a higher priority. However, it was kind of interesting how it played out because my RV mate and his wife, they he lost his brother this year to fentanyl. Oh. Yeah, so brutal. And and she lost her mother not that long ago. So the three of us had a really beautiful bonding 
opportunity and a couple hours where we sat and really opened up about our experiences with losing a loved one, losing a family member, grieving, processing it. It was, it was amazing. So that alone was almost its own form of us letting go of it, just like opening up and, and like being the light about it. And then they both had created these sort of memoir boards to bring to the temple, to put there, to burn, to let go. I started to feel guilty as fuck. Like, what am I doing? I'm not honoring my brother like this. I'm here at Burning Man. Like, why did I not do this? You know, like really had to settle with some, some shame on my own self for that. But I looked at it a little more clearly and stepped back and said, look, it's the material representation of letting go is one part of it maybe. And that might be really, really powerful for some people. However, I've, I've done quite a bit to let go of it and to be at peace with it already. I don't feel like I need to have this temple burn moment to like, be like, goodbye, Jeremy, you know, like right. I've said goodbye. Also, I say hello, like he's still here. Um, so I, I started to really feel into it where it was coming to me from an authentic place of like, I don't really think it matters that I didn't do that. At the end of the day, it's all burning to the ground anyway. It's not like I'm going to have to revisit this thing that's like, wow, I didn't put something up there. And I also got to share that experience with Rob and his wife, Kathy. So I got to be in this container of energy to where I felt I felt like I was having the same emotional process that they were, at least similar to it, without having necessarily brought a whole thing out and like mm -hmm. put a picture in there, written a message. I was feeling it and I was, and this collection of people around you that are all like feeling this deep emotional moment together. For me, that's, that's really the embodied part of it is like sharing that grief, that grieving yeah. process with other people. <sighs> that's, that's the real shit. Like, I mean, not to discredit mm. like someone who brings some, a beautiful memoir of their mother and burns it. It's fucking beautiful. But to sit in silence with like 10, 20, 30,000 people, all grieving over someone or like sharing that grief with someone else that was for me i had my temple experience <laughs> i had my experience with my brother i felt him i i didn't feel judged by him i didn't feel shamed by him for it i didn't feel shame on myself which i was worried i was like i'm gonna go sit there i might feel like a real piece of shit for not putting something in i didn't i felt okay with it and it was a really good moment of acceptance and forgiveness and like stepping back into the bigger picture of what's happening. And so again, the collective grieving process of all those people being there together, sharing this like vulnerable moment and nobody saying a fucking word, which it's pretty fucking hard yeah. to get that many people together and get them to be quiet for a half an hour or so. It felt like um, a funeral for humanity, a funeral mm. for all who have passed. Your brother is my brother. Your mother right, is my mother. Exactly. It's not my personally identified version of that thing is not the thing you know it's part of this collective that burning man is all about the oneness anyways it's all about bringing us to this realization that we are one which sounds cliche for sure but it is fucking true and and realizing that we are sharing our suffering whether or not we acknowledge it we're sharing all of these experiences and your loss is my loss your mourning is my mourning so it was really beautiful and I'm, I'm really grateful that I was able to kind of go through that whole process from start to finish of like feeling really, really, really guilty, like beating the fuck out of myself for not having brought something 
and then accepting that that wasn't my version of what I needed to happen. And it didn't make me worse of a person, you know, and I don't feel like a worse person because of it. Cause I still sat with that energy and felt it. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. It, it really is a shared experience here at our little local burn. Emily uh, took on the responsibility of setting up the temple and created a really beautiful space. And once it was set up, um, you know, she had a photo of her mom there and you know we her and i both have lost our mothers and i had a, a miniature version of what you experienced where i thought oh man like it would have been nice for me to bring a picture um and i didn't really know it was my first experience so maybe next time i will but in that moment the exact same thing happened to me it was like two seconds of oh man i should have and then directly into, well, Emily's mom is my mom, you know, and mm. I, I feel that. And that photo for me represents my mother. Um, and we really shared in that experience. And I had a moment mm. there where I was kind of just wandering alone by myself and the temple was sort of empty and the candles were burning and I stood there for a few minutes and I, I had a nice cry. And I can say the last two or three months, I've been in a pretty repressed place. Um, I, I felt pretty relatively depressed. Uh, and I've had moments where I've tried to cry. Like I, I kind of felt like I, I need a release of crying I think that would really benefit me and I would go to all my sensitive points right like oh like remembering that memory with my mom like almost like, trying to force it yeah almost using it in a way which you can look at that however you want to there's a lot of layers to that but it wasn't working for me like I wasn't able to cry and then my analytical brain goes into like, man, usually you can cry and look how blocked up you are. What's going on? What's going on? And that's not fun. And at this burn experience in the little mini temple on my own, I had a couple tears crack down my face and uh, it was so beautiful, not only to experience that, but to observe and take note uh, of the power of environment and intentional creation to create a space for this type of release that really I would argue every human being needs at some level and for many of us it's very difficult to to get to that point of really opening up and releasing so having that environment and then even if my photo of my mom or your photo of your brother isn't there just seeing the photos that other people brought uh, and, and that's maybe how that space served them this year around, but you still get to experience energy from other people's contributions to the temple in whatever way that is. And yeah, you said it best. It's a shared experience and, you know, one could argue that all of life is, but that's why Burning Man's so important because it really brings it to that surface level experience to sort of remind us what's really going on while we go mm -hmm. back to our routine lives and get lost and worried about paying bills and shit like this. 
So I think that's really beautiful. And uh, there's something I wanted to comment about the escaping conversation. I think like four years ago, I really put a lens on escaping in my life. And I'll, I'll probably write a book about it. Honestly, there's so many layers to it. And on the first level of awareness, there was sort of this perfectionist voice in my head that was like escaping's bad escaping's bad like you're not being present you're not being intentional uh which there's a lot of truth to that uh but for certain things like i think escapes are so valuable and again if i'm sitting here for two months straight running the loop of anxiety like i think there's a lot of benefit to be taken from stepping away from that for four days whether you're taking drugs whatever your preferred escape vehicle is and then just knowing that like hey i'm gonna come back to that but the thoughts are stale the same shit's been running through my head it's not really progressing me to transmute this feeling so maybe it'd be beneficial to just like mute that for a little bit and then come back to it with a clear head and something I just want to share with you and with whoever's listening because it's been a little bit of a game changer for me is just thinking about the difference and you know words are words so they mean different things to different people but take from this what you will between escaping and avoiding I think they're like I think they're cousins really um but when I came across avoiding a few months ago, uh, it was like a deeper <laughs> resonance with uh, what I felt I was doing. And then it allowed me to ask the question rather than what am I escaping? It's like, what am I avoiding? And for whatever reason, there was a little bit of a different um, perspective and, and frequency in that question. So again, I think I'm a big fan of this mindful escape. Like, hey, I'm turning away from this thing, but I'm going to do it mindfully and, and I'm going to come back to it because it's not going to be gone. It's going to be there. Uh, but mm. like avoiding is kind of this deeper, like, oh, like I'm really avoiding it and trying to pretend like it doesn't exist. So that's just something, right. something that's been valuable uh, for me and I'm still exploring that. So, Yeah, that's great. And that's, there's definitely different energy attached to those two things. You know, escaping is comes with some awareness that there's going to be a return, right? Like, the, you know, the things there you're escaping, but unless you're going to kill yourself, there's no escaping forever. So right. like an escape is temporary where you can avoid something forever. That's a different thing. You know, you can push it to the side while you're doing your thing, but it doesn't, it's not that, yeah, they're very, they're subtle, different, but they're different. It's almost like the avoiding. It's like, well, there's always going to be volume seven there just lurking in the bottom. And escaping is like, I'm turning it off completely. And then it's back right. 100%. Right. Um, so I, I think that there's sort of value in recognizing and asking yourself, like, what am I avoiding? And mm -hmm. ultimately, I think that is the path to coming to peace with yourself and your your internal state of being is to face yeah. whatever it is you're avoiding in little little bite-sized baby steps. Mm, that's really beautiful. And I know we want to wrap up soon. There's a couple of things I want to circle back well, on. on I, was just, I was just looking at the time. We got like 20, 30 minutes, if you will. And I was going to ask you if there was any particular uh, topics that you wanted to talk about now. Cool. Yeah. Uh, first, I want to circle back on a couple of things you just mentioned. One, the the 
the release aspect um, and crying, which I've almost broken down in tears a couple of times here, but for the sake of having good communication, I, I kind of, you know, hold it, but I also allow it in a, in a way. Um, my experience at the burn was the first night after everything was set up, I, the sun started to set and it's the first sunset and the sunsets are fucking magnificent. I mean, it's, it's a picturesque canvas of mountains and desert with just a little city blipped in the middle. But like the, and the, one of the most unique parts of it is the dust in the air creates a gradient of the color profile, which is unlike anything you can really see anywhere else. I mean, that alone is like, what the fuck? Purple, pink, orange, all blended together. Yeah. Oh, I'm not even on drugs. What the fuck? Um, and so I rode out to the playa so I could look back and see the sunset and uh, in a totally unexpected moment, I was just like cruising. No, I wasn't feeling any sort of emotions attached to it. I just looked back and I saw the sunset. I saw our camp that had just finally come together after all this labor, all this hard work that's gone in. Looked around at all these art installations that make you feel like you're on another planet. Looked at all these people riding around in crazy costumes, like being free and being silly. And I broke down crying. Totally unexpected. Totally didn't really quite understand where it's coming from but afterwards it's kind of obvious it's like the first moment of taking all of it in and seeing like whoa we're capable of this first of all because it's so not default it's so not typical it's so it, it you know charles eisenstein's book a beautiful world our hearts know is possible deals a lot more with economic systems than anything else but it also just is about the idea that we can create a better world. We are capable of it. It's not going to happen overnight. It's not an easy thing to switch to, but Burning Man shows us that that is possible. Like people do it. It happens, you know, 180,000 people, 100,000 people. It's a lot of people. It's not just like a small commune making something different. It's a lot of people from a lot of different parts of life all on the same vibrational frequency or close to it anyways trying to create a better world for each other. And mm -hmm. that was just like, I just felt that so deeply and just had this nice cry. And it, it was such a, such a nice lead in to the week to have that release rather than like, in my mind, I was like, Oh, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to like break down at the end of the week and be like, Oh my God, this is so beautiful. And I really didn't end up crying at all. After that, I, at the temple burn, which is where you might assume the most crying would happen me and my two friends who were having their direct like you know release experience in a in a physical way we didn't cry we i felt a lot of emotion and i certainly wasn't trying to hold back any tears but it was it was like the we had already released what we needed to release by that point and we'd already given so much of ourselves and like had so much it, this feeling of contentment really comes up hard at the burn i think for a lot of people to where afterwards it's like i was not in any hurry to go dance or go to a party or do anything right. but sit like all i wanted to do was sit on a couch with my friends and just like talk or not even just like sit there and bask in this energy that we had all absorbed throughout the week and and that's a big part of the value i got out of it is now i have this background thing that i know is a part of my life now i want to go back i will go back and in my mind all the time, I'm thinking, how can I do things better there? How can I make my experience better? How can I be better to the people around me? How can I create a better atmosphere? All these different things. And then the integration part is a huge part of the value and the meaningfulness of Burning Man. Like we sure we could all go do it and have a great time and live in this alternate reality. 
But if it's left there and it disappears after, and all we do is go home and live the same lives we lived before, it's not really, you know, that's not what it's about. It's about being impacted in such a deep way that you feel so compelled to live differently and to present yourself to the world in a different way that has this like slow, slow, subtle effect because you're not going to turn everybody into a burner overnight. But by showing up in every day, in every way, in a way that is affected by the experience you had at Burning Man, now you allow the people around you to receive some of that energy and that trickles out and creates a domino effect that, again, we can't quantify it. So like, I, I feel so excited that I've had this experience and I'm, I'm not telling everybody you have to go. I'm not trying to say I'm better than someone for going. First of all, it's kind of expensive. It's not easy if you have a job. Like there's a lot of reasons people can't go to Burning Man. Maybe you can't deal with that heat. I totally get it. That doesn't mean you can't listen to people like me, maybe share my experience or, or just like hang out with some burners and see how that feels or like put yourself in a, there's a lot of regional burns, you know, for anybody out there who wants to have a sort of Burning Man experience, but doesn't have the means or whatever to go to Burning Man, the local burns are a great option to feel this, like, first of all, no money that's on its own. Like, wow, I don't pay for things. People just give me stuff. And then I feel super compelled to give them stuff. And everybody's just like, here you go, here you go. And that we can live that way, you know, and people do in small communities, but in a bigger scale, we're capable of being a lot more generous with ourselves and, and seeing how that reciprocates, seeing how that balance bounces back to us, you know, because what we get, what we give, it's so real. So that was a big part of it. Like trying super hard to integrate and not put pressure on myself to like wear different clothes every day or like bop around. Like I'm at burning man all the time. Like we have to kind of maneuver the world we're in, in a way that makes some sense. But, and money does exist. Like we got to make money. So, so it was just interesting how that played out to where I had my emotional release at the beginning rather than the end. Mm. And it, it allowed me, I felt like so much more spacious throughout the week to receive more because I had yeah. like let a lot, I had let a lot go the first day. So it was like, it really opened me up. And your central nervous system, when you're not using your phone all the time, holy shit, you feel yes, so sir. much better, so much better. <laughs> I think it's really a privilege to be able to experience these festivals and parties and Burning Man is just one flavor of that. And then there is sort of this, hmm, it almost feels like a responsibility or a duty for some of us to share our insights and share that love and bring it to the world. And that can take form in doing a podcast or writing an Instagram post and I think that's all important and has its place. However, ultimately, it's about how you show up in your moments, right? And if you want to change the world, it's really about uh, how you live your life and what you're embodying. So when we talk about integration and wanting to be a, a better human or a better burner next year, are there any particular topics or areas that left an impression on you that you're looking to integrate and embody as you now move out of the burn back into day-to-day life yeah it's it's that's a loaded question because there's there's a lot to analyze within it uh, of course but just on the surface like uh, in an immediate sense uh feeling more comfortable to express myself authentically which is something i've been working on for a while still will continue to but that environment 
really encourages you to let go of all this blah, 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 blah. and the feelings you have when you let go of that and just be your fucking weird ass self and the, i'm so grateful that the group of humans that i spent most of my time with is like so fucking goofy and silly like they're you would love them there are people and and seeing the impact that has on other people of just being silly like let being lighthearted, being a kid like i i we've been talking about this and i know this but like it is magnified so much more in that environment to where you see the the effect you can have on someone in a super authentic way. Like I'm not doing it for that reason. I'm playing because it's fun to play. Right. <laughs> That's why I'm doing it. But then seeing that like these other people that might be a little bit more stuck in their way, see like, wow, these, these people look like adults, but they're having fun like children. Like I, I think I want to try that out. That's a constant theme for me in my life lately. And this this experience really nailed that in of like, just be a fucking kid, man, and take life seriously in some moments, of course, but like, nothing matters and everything matters, right? So like, if someone wants to judge me for being too childish, that doesn't matter to me. But if someone else sees me being childish, and is now like, Oh, I can let go and be a little more childish, too. That matters. So it's it's this and that. And also just really the phone thing came up so much. It's the yep. most I've most I've been off my phone in years other than one meditation retreat that I did. And that was forced this, you can be on your phone if you want. And some people are, and I was in moments, you know, I took some videos, but I took them tastefully, I think in a way that allows me to access the emotions that I had at that time, share those memories with my friends, et cetera. Uh, post them on Instagram a little bit to like cheer people up and give them a taste of the experience. Um, and maybe a little bit, cause I want people to think I'm cool. Uh, but but like really seeing the collective energy that you can feel with people and how how much deeper your time feels, how much how how much dilation you experience to your time when the phone and all these like restrictive things that we normally live with are are let go of. Like man, it feels like you live a year in a day. It's uh, the depth of of engagement and 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 the authenticity of the conversations that you have when someone's not just like oh hold on I gotta, I got to check you know there's not it's it's everybody's just really being together, not in every moment, of course, but like overall, that was like, I, I've done a lot better with my phone since and far from perfect still, and I'm going to struggle with it forever probably, but like seeing the impact I can have and, and wanting to, like, for instance, I went out last night with some friends, went dancing a little bit, and I got, every time I pulled my phone out on the dance floor, I got self-conscious about it. And I ended up, I did it a couple of times and I was like, you know what, I'm actually only going to pull my phone out in the bathroom. And for the rest of the night, I only checked my phone when I was in the bathroom. So and I, I, I've i been a little mindful of that before. But now it's like such a bigger theme for me that like, and I know the reverberation that has and how we mimic and, and you know, we see people do stuff. And we're like, Oh, I'm gonna do that too. So realizing the the effect I can have on the people around me just by something as simple as going to the bathroom to check my text messages, you know, like, it's such a simple thing. And I'm not saying I'm I'm like perfect with my, you know, it's, it is what it is. And I'm now making a more conscious effort to be aware of how my actions and behaviors are received and impact the people around me. Because again, it's a domino effect. It's a, it's a ripple effect. And so every little thing that we do, every interaction that we have and, and Burning Man is just such a deep magnification of all those things that it, it, you feel it a lot more in your body. You end up feeling like, we talk about gratitude a lot. And I saw a post the other day that was really fucking dope about how it's easy enough to have a gratitude practice 
and say, I'm grateful for this. I'm grateful for that. But truly the most gratitude I've felt in my life is when I go through some very, very challenging shit and come out on the other side. And then I'm like a shower. Oh, uh, like, you know, and every day I could wake up and be like, Oh, I have hot water. How cool. Thank you for right. the showers. But right, I'm not right. feeling that versus like getting, being put on my knees because I'm like so happy to be washed off or like, had the first meal I had after the burn, we went to this like shitty Mexican diner to eat an enchilada, like a six out of 10 enchilada and be like, Oh my God, like, this is so good. I, it, there's a big difference between embodying these feelings and just like speaking them out, which there's still value in speaking them out, but having a deep physical visceral reaction is there's nothing that compares to that. So those were big, like really allowing myself to embody the things that I want to feel and not necessarily just like write them down or, or voice them out, like putting Going myself in situations. Emotions. Yeah, yeah. I really want to put myself in 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 situations that make me feel these things because that is what impacts change the most. Yeah, I think it's perspective shifting experiences. I have a friend who just took a two week trip to Peru to uh, you know visit a, a shaman down there, and she was in a very raw village where electricity wasn't even readily available and she came back with such gratitude and even like privilege shame and and all the levels of it but i was able to even feel that for a few days just buzzing off of her experience and her sharing the perspective and sometimes you have to step away from the abundance of availability that we have to really have a clear vision of how blessed we are to have access to these things. And I think that's incredibly valuable. And sometimes you have to seek that out. Um, So I think that the, the, the raw sort of characteristics and climate of the Burning Man experience really bring that out and you soak up so much love. It's just like, multi-layered levels of gratitude and i could feel it from everyone that that came back from there so it's no surprise and i wanted to Mm -hmm. say about the the goofiness factor like i think you and i are both in the same boat in that our goofy playfulness is really one of the greater gifts that we share with the world and the past few months I haven't really had access to my goofy flow. And then I even felt sort of depressed about not having access and not even trying to force it because it can't be forced. Like I'll Mm -hmm. I'll try to allow it, but ultimately what it comes down to for me is the avoidance conversation again. Like the things I've been avoiding have evolved to a point where they're now sort of causing me to to live my life a little bit constricted instead of being open so in that quest to serve the world and ultimately ourselves in that playful childlike inviting energy that we have i think it's really important that we take 
intentional steps towards facing the things that we're escaping and avoiding so that we can be open more often and let our true selves, which I believe to be that goofy child, really show up in a healthy way rather than the like escaping way. Let me turn on the goofball because I don't want to face my problems. There's mm-hmm. a much different frequency versus that versus like really accepting everything and being open. But again, mm-hmm. I think uh experiences like festivals and burning man for me at least really open a door for me to see these things in a new light and make progress and and transmuting it into a a more flowing acceptance rather than an avoidance um and yeah the phone thing i mean it's too obvious i mean we spent two and a half days here at our at our mini burn and I didn't use the phone hardly at all. And when I came back to it, I just felt such a wave of distraction and emotions that I was allowing into my system. And having taken two days off, you could really feel the contrast. And Mm -hmm. it really left me sitting there saying, how is this serving me? You know, it's not that it's it's black and white. Like, I think it's this is an incredibly useful device. But you really have to have boundaries with yourself and use it mindfully. Otherwise, it's going to take over your experience. And what I find is it really limits my ability to sink into the presence of the moment. If you're checking your phone or even aware of having it in your pocket and maybe anticipating a message, all of these things play a factor. So mm-hmm. when you get a big group of people that just like put it away for a little bit of time and you really feel how deep and connected and focus is sharper, uh, that is definitely something to work on embodying for the rest of our lives. What, yeah. else, uh, what else do you got over there? Bring us home with something, brother. <laughs> Cool. Um, well, I'm going to quickly tack on to the phone thing because the other, the other interesting thing about Burning Man is that most people do carry their phones because like you might actually need it for something. You might need a flashlight. You might need to look at your schedule, whatever. There's a really cool app that without service, you can have a GPS locator of where you're at on the playa. So if you need to go to a certain camp, it's really fucking cool. But the bigger thing is that everybody there is off of all their shit for a week. Like Nobody's worried about their work shit. Everybody's taken off. Everybody's disconnected from the things that even normally, if you have your phone on you, you might be thinking like, oh yeah, Tom's going to message me or I have a meeting with Jennifer. You don't have those things. So even, even still having your phone on you, it's different than having your phone on you at home where you're like constantly like, blah, 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 what's next. So that was, that was really cool part of it that even despite some phone use and having them on, like I had my phone on me the whole time. I was never like, I got to check Instagram or I got to like, I, I can't, you don't have service or like, I'm, you know, my, my, whoever's going to call me, everybody knows you're at the burn. They're not going to fucking call you. Um, so yeah, it was really, really amazing. And then to kind of wrap that up, wrap it all up in a word that's, you know, been said over and over in this podcast and previous conversations, acceptance is like not enough can be said about that word and what it, what it means. And that was now thinking more about it the overarching theme of Burning Man in a lot of ways is acceptance. Um, You know, you go in with these expectations, plans, whatever, and they can totally get fucked up. They can totally not happen. And you can totally dwell on that. And you can totally have FOMO of like, oh, I was supposed to be at this thing. Allowing yourself to accept where you're at in those moments of experience, for one, lets you be 
presently engaged with whatever experience you happen to actually end up in because that's where you are. So worrying about what you else may have done doesn't get you anywhere. And so accepting like whatever reality comes your way and then making the very best of that is such a, an important thing to work on in my mind of like, life is going to be so different in so many ways than we might have expected it. Like I said, I had so many different plans of friends I wanted to meet up with from around the world that were at Burning Man that I never get to see. I didn't get to see most of them. I didn't, I didn't expect to see Mark and I saw him and it was one of the greatest fucking mornings. Like, you know, so being open to accepting whatever comes our way in life. And then beyond that, probably even more importantly, accepting where we're at. Like we, we talk about this plenty. It comes up a lot, but like the, the burn really gave me some serious check-in moments of like, okay, I didn't bring my brother's thing this year. I'm, I can accept that. Like I, I'm not a perfect person. Maybe it's not even what I was meant to do. And I can be myself up about it and find a hundred different ways to think I'm like uh, uh, fucked up or not doing the right thing. Or I can say, that's just who I am right now. I didn't do it. It's okay. You know, like I'm not like punching someone in the face. I'm not like doing anything malicious to someone. Then I probably shouldn't accept those things. I should probably figure out why I did them. But it's, it's like, we are where we are. We are who we are. We're human as fuck. I'm a fucking weird guy with neurotic tendencies in some ways. And like, I'm not always perfect. I paid to dump my bike. Like I said, like that was a really tough pill to swallow, but I, I had no other choice but to accept it. And if I dwell in a place of like, wow, man, how did you do that? How did you let yourself get to that point? Blah, blah, blah. Which in the past, I would have been much more prone to that. But because I've worked on this self-acceptance piece, it's gotten a lot easier for me to say, that's just what happened, you know? And that's okay. And it's like, I think we don't often share enough of these things that we might do that call us into question of our own ethics, of our own value system, of our own behavior. And we're all trying, we're all hopefully getting better day by day. And there were so many times when I was like, man, I'm like riding my bike past a piece of trash. I should probably pick that up. And I don't. And it's like, okay, maybe I'm just not meant to in this moment, you know? Not to mention, I had friends that told me, like, you know, if you're a robot heart, don't, like, get caught up with picking up every piece of moot because you'll drive yourself fucking crazy. You know, like, there's and, – and just accepting that, like, if a friend doesn't show up to go with you to this thing that you were going to go with together, don't hold them personal for that. Like, they're doing their best. They're doing what they can. Like, I'm, I might have done the same thing in their situation. So, like, accepting ourselves, accepting each other, accepting what happens – really lets me live a life that's so much more peaceful, so much less, you know, than I have in the past. And Burning Man really forces you to accept tough situations and unexpected outcomes and unforeseen consequences. You know, you get stuck in a dust storm. I I was with a buddy yesterday who got stuck in a dust storm at this art installation. That's like these towers out in the middle of the deep playa. They got stuck there for like two hours And for people who don't know, these dust storms that come up, you often can't see two feet in front of you. So it's not like a a thunderstorm. It's like a you better sit the fuck where you are because you might not live if you get lost in this. You know, like you don't have resources. You don't have a ton of water. So they got stuck at this place with this dust storm. And it ended up becoming one of the most beautiful experiences of his burn because there was a handful of other people there that all were stuck there together. And if it weren't for this storm and this like forced bonding experience, they would have been in their own bubbles, maybe connected a little bit, this and the other. 
because of this like extreme challenge that came up for them, it forced them to accept their circumstances, deal with it the best they could. And the best they could was to, okay, we're here together. Let's be friends, you know? And so they ended up having this super, I won't get into the whole details of it, but like super dope time with like all these three other Burning Man camp groups. And they just bonded, became friends and had this like great time with what could easily be seen as like a really fucking shit time. And, and I've seen plenty of reviews after people were like, oh, the weather was so bad. It was so hard this year, this, that, and the other. And I get it. It wasn't easy, but goddamn, like if that's not worth it for you, I'm sorry. I don't think you really are ready for it or you may not belong there right now. Or maybe you do and you just need to lean into that a little more, you know, but it's like, if if we can't accept the challenges that come our way in life, we're going to have a really, really hard time. <laughs> and it's already pretty fucking hard anyways. So let's just accept what happens, accept where we're at, accept ourselves for the mistakes that we make and learn from them and do better. Wow. Well said, brother. I love the piece on acceptance. Uh, it also came up for me in a few different ways during our little festival here. And it's just becoming more and more clear to me that this sort of desire to control uh, our circumstances around us, I think it's rooted in some part of the mind or the ego or the self, whatever you want to label it trying to create a safe experience for us and mm -hmm. really where the magic in being exists is stepping into the unknown because you have an idea of how things are going to go or how they should go but in the reality of the universe that's all fucking a mute point point. <laughs> yeah. and the more you can from my experience the more you can really surrender and trust the universe and allow it to bring you what it brings and then the next level is to have gratitude for that however it does show up that to me is the path of life i'm looking to lead and i think that burning man creates an environment where you get to experience that on such drastic levels but like in really a loving fun place and oh i didn't end up at lee burge but now i'm having a four hour conversation in this art car that I never expected to. And it's a little bit easier to kind of see like, Oh, I wanted that, but I needed this. And yes. Sure enough, the universe provides you with what you need. So the sooner we can let go uh, and sort of surrender into that, I believe there's a lot of love to experience versus like, having this control of things going the way that we think we want them to. So yes. I really appreciate you brought that up and, you know, beyond accepting what happens in our day to day, it is a big heartfelt conversation to be accepting ourselves and where we're at, at this point in our lives and really like, you know, meeting ourselves with love the same way that we would meet a friend who may be going through a tough situation and how important and how valuable it is to hold that loving frequency within yourself. And then really things will start to start to come to you. So I appreciate mm -hmm. you closing us on that point. Appreciate the bucket hat. You got a nice little burning man tan over there. It's a pleasure to catch up with you, brother. Thank you for coming on here and sharing some of the feelings while it's still fresh. And uh, let's 
let's do our best to integrate and to keep that vibe alive. Yes. Thank you for this. This, uh, it helps so much to be able to reflect these things. And also I really just passionately want to share my experience and the hopes that maybe it has some impact on someone, but even for my own journey and my own value, getting this stuff out and, and putting my thoughts into a format that I can kind of like parse them out later more easily. It's like journaling in a way and, and reflecting with you, someone who understands me really well and just putting an opportunity in front of me to, to get this stuff out when it's fresh. And, you know, I, I had this realization last night or the night, I think I texted you last night about the whole thing with the bikes being left and then realizing like there's this whole other side to that and both perspectives matter, like you said. So like, if I didn't have this podcast today, I may not have ever had that realization. And I think it was a really important one. So thank you for that. Thank you for being a brother. I love you. I receive and accept the compliments on my tan and my hat. I'm taking it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, we'll be talking more soon. Yeah, man. Processing through podcasting and you sharing your experiences totally had an influence on me. I can feel it and I'm going to bring it to the streets. Thank you, brother. I'll talk to you soon. You're welcome. Thanks anybody who listens. Much love. Yes. Thank you guys. Peace.